The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. Matt Stagner here with my guy, Ron Cobb Jr., talking about the Chiefs advancing to their fifth straight Arrowhead Bowl, otherwise known as the AFC Championship game, hosted once again at Arrowhead Stadium after a a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars that had the potential to be a lot of fun. Um, Rod, I know you were there. How was was the experience? The Arrowhead Invitational, as it has been come to come to be called at this point. Uh, No, it was it was a good time in the divisional round. You know, I will say, and and actually, I will say, uh, Nick Bolton said this after the game too. You know, it was loud, but it, it wasn't as loud as it could be. Um, and so that's why I'm glad we're getting the Bengals this week, because I think you're going to I think we're getting arrowhead at another level with the intensity of this game coming up. So I'm fired up, Stags. It was it was a good time Saturday, but I I don't think it matches the intensity and the energy we're going to see in arrowhead this Sunday. Well, the Chiefs won 27 to 20 uh, in a game that probably would have been a blowout had Patrick Mahomes not been injured early on. They came out of the gate firing, and it looked like it was going to be just a just a decisive victory from the get-go. When Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs offense line up and run the option on the first offensive play of the game, he follows that up with a sidearm pass, a jump pass. You started to think you're, we're going to see an epic Patrick Mahomes game. Uh, then, unfortunately, the injury happens uh, pretty early in this contest in the second quarter. And it sort of changed the tone. It probably changed the feel of Arrowhead, too. Yeah, a little bit. No, that first drive was fun, man. You know, I, t- I tweeted out a, a clip. But, yeah, you mentioned the option, the jump pass to Kelsey. You know, he jumps kind of, you know, in the pocket and gets smashed as he throws it. But it's a perfect pass on the line. And then, uh, you know, obviously the, the other throws, too. There was one. He puts the holster down after it, the, the slant to Juju kind of waited it, it, it was it was a really good play he waited for the second window didn't force that first window and and it popped open perfectly and then there was one down the stretch in the red zone too where he he scrambles right makes a linebacker commit to him and you can just tell he knows what that's going to do it's going to open up a window for kelsey to come to the inside and get that and get that first down conversion there 
And then all of a sudden we score a touchdown too on the Kelsey catch. So yeah, man, it, it really was going to be an all time Mahomes game. I think, I think we were on our way. And then that ankle injury just really did take the air out of, out of the energy, you know, out of the stadium a little bit. There was a you know, lack of energy. I think after that, you know, it just, it, you could feel it a little bit and, and it's natural, man. I mean, we, you know, we, we're on, we're, you know, it's Super Bowl bust here in Kansas city. And, and we know how much, a, a you know, a hampered Mahomes means for, for that, for that stake. So it is tough, man. It is tough. The defense started off strong as well with a three and out on the first drive. Uh, they gave up a touchdown on the second drive, but that was only after a really long kick return. So we'll, we'll have to talk about special teams at some point, but looking back at this game, just statistically, uh, a lot of a lot of good numbers. I, I wrote the winners and losers this week, as always, and it was it was a little hard to find a lot of true losers from this game from the Chiefs side. It was a pretty solid game all the way around. We talked about Mahomes' injury. Before the injury, he was 12 of 18 for 118 yards and a touchdown. After the injury, 10 of 15 for 111 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, it certainly hampered him a lot, but the guy still got it done afterwards. You, know, you can't say enough about his toughness and his just raw talent to be able to throw uh, on one leg uh, better than, than most quarterbacks. Yeah, I know, right? No, the first kind of drive he came back out after the – I mean, he, he didn't ever win out after the injury, right? He stayed in the game. You could tell that was – you know, it really did impact him. And, and you know, when he, we, when he finally was able to go into the halftime – or going to the locker room, I should say, although he did not want to, in which I love to see that, you know, he's throwing his jacket down. He's yelling at Andy and the, and the head trainer. Um, after he came out, after all that, the, the ankle spat, you know, getting it taped up. Um, I, I really feel like he, you know, it, it, he, it barely impacted him. I mean, it did, obviously. I mean, you could tell, but not to the extent that it did kind of before he really got it treated. And, you know, that's what happens. I mean, we've all been athletes. We've all played on sprained ankles and, but it's a high ankle sprain and that's a little different, but I do think it's a testament to his, uh, you know, his training and stuff because, man, we have seen quarterbacks, you know, ankle sprains really impact them. I think, I think it was Mac Jones who sprained his ankle earlier this year and was out for like two or three weeks. And I know, you know, there's, there's higher and lower grade, you know, uh, difficulties, but that's, that's where I, you know, I, I, I talk about Mahomes, man. I mean, he's just so impressive with, you know, he just kind of adjusts his game. And I think the offensive line did step up to an extent. You know, you'd hope that they didn't have to step up after the injury. They just stepped up the whole game. But I do think the offensive line gave him a lot of protection that second half. And, and he was able to, to do what he needed to do. They got the job done. Yeah, Sam Hoppin on Twitter put out a, a great stat uh, for EPA. Uh, Mahomes is obviously the best quarterback in the league in uh, EPA. What's EPA stand for, Ron? Expected points added. All right, so Ron – uh, Mahomes added 0.28 uh, EPA after the injury, which is the second best in the league this year after Mahomes without the injury. So uh, if there was ever any question in Mahomes on one foot versus Trevor Lawrence or any other quarterback on two feet, uh, Mahomes is still <laughs> is still the man even on one foot. So uh, impressive accomplishment for him. Uh, there's a ton of other – uh, accomplishments in this game, though, I think we should talk about. Uh, Travis Kelsey uh, was was just a monster once again. He had 14 catches, which is a, um, a career high for him, if I remember correctly, or at least in the postseason. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a record, I think. It was close to a record. He's now, he now has 120 playoff catches, which is second only to Jerry Rice, and the third most yards in, in playoff history 
tied with with Gronk at thirteen hundred and eighty nine yards. So uh, those guys are setting making history together. I, I heard a rumor that they're also building houses near each other. I mean, this this is a, an epic duo uh, that's going to go down in, in the Hall of Fame uh, someday. But it's it's really impressive what they were able to accomplish when you had to know that the focus was going to be on Kelsey from a defensive standpoint, and it just didn't matter. He was open uh, seemingly on, on every single play. I know the Jags aren't great against tight ends, but uh, Kelsey really delivered on this day, caught a touchdown pass from Mahomes, caught another one from, from Chad Henney. Yeah. You know, I, we talked about, or it was one point I wanted to make, or I kept making before the game was how the Jags do have a lot of, you know, they have the one veteran linebacker they signed this offseason, but they have a couple inexperienced rookie linebackers that they play quite a bit. And, you know, I, it kind of started out from the beginning. Mahomes was manipulating them with his eyes, with kind of his arm angles, with, you know, with the, the play calling itself. And that's where Kelsey comes into play, right? I mean, Kelsey, that's, that's the ultimate weapon to take advantage of young linebackers and, and maybe some safeties that lack playmaking, you know, to an extent. I think Rayshon Jenkins is a pretty good safety for them, but just not to the level that he sees a lot of times with a guy like Derwin James or Jesse Bates or the, the Bills safeties. You know, he can take advantage of that guy, and, and he did, and, and, and that's what Kelsey does. And, you know, yeah, I, I think Kelsey really, you know, stepped up on that 98-yard touchdown drive with Henny, especially. I mean, he had a he had a few huge conversions, including the touchdown. Although the touchdown was just a great play design, you know, the the jet motion, then the pick play, leaving Kelsey wide open. So, yeah, no, it it was it was a very masterful performance from Kelsey. It's just what he does, man. I think I saw a playoff his his last six or seven playoff games. It's all, you know, near 10 catches, 100-ish yards, at least a touchdown. I mean, that's this is what he does. And, and, and it just shows you that when this offense really needs to go over and it really needs to, you know, get into playoff mode, it centers around Travis Kelsey. I mean, we all knew that, but it, it really does. Yeah, there wasn't really any uh, notable performance in the rest of the receiver group this week. Uh, Kadarius Toney uh, had, a, had a pretty solid game of his own. He had seven targets, five catches, 36 yards. Uh, his impact never seems to completely be reflected in the box score, just the way he moves and the way he – uh, breaks tackles and and yeah. uh, uh, challenges defenses. I, I think he, he's bringing some value there. But other than him, nobody else had uh, more than two catches. Juju had two. Everybody else had one. And, and so it was not a not a big passing performance. So so not huge performances out of the receivers. I got to think as they advance, they're going to need more out of the rest of those guys than they got this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a key thing to this this Bengals matchup, which we'll talk about a little later. But uh, but yeah, I, I think they really do need – it was the depth of the receiving core that really doomed them at times last year, you know, I, I, especially in that Bengals AFC championship game. And they've worked on that. Now, you know, we're still missing McCole Hardman. We still don't know, you know, where that's at. You know, obviously he didn't play this week when I kind of expected him to. I was kind of ready for him to, to be ready for the playoff run, but – you know, I, I it, it, you're right. It is a it is a big, important part of this because the Jaguars defense, as as good as they played down the stretch, you know, they, they are susceptible. They, they really played a very vanilla scheme. Um, you know, they did blitz quite a bit, but, you know, they, a lot of times they're playing one high stuff, which is just playing into what Mahomes and the Chiefs offense wants to do. The Bengals aren't going to play into, <laughs> into what the Chiefs offense wants to do, man. So that's going to take a lot more, uh, you know, the receivers, you know, just getting open by themselves, finding open space, ca- securing the ball, catching the ball. You know, we didn't see any, you know, egregious drops from Kansas City this week. That was nice. Um, but it's going to take everyone against the Bengals. And, and it's not going to, you know, you can't just rely on Kelsey to get 15 catches. I, don't, I doubt the Bengals allow that to happen. 
The Chiefs' running game was fairly impressive, though, especially Isaiah Pacheco. Had his longest run of the season, that epic 39-yard run as part of the 98-yard drive orchestrated by Chad Henney. Pacheco ends up with 95 yards on the game with a 7.9 average uh, on 12 carries. Uh, Tony had the one good run. McKinnon didn't get a lot done on the ground, but when they rushed for 144 yards on just about a five yards per carry average as a team, uh, that's a pretty good sign that this offense was was balanced and it was humming. Yeah, that's the thing. That 140 yard run was really nice down the down the stretch of the 98 yard run. He almost got in the end zone there. That really showed off Pacheco's explosiveness. You know, he kind of you know the play was almost you know dead, right? You know, it was he kind of got jumbled up at the line of scrimmage. You know, it really got you know mucked up there and and he bounced it out and and took off. And that's where that four, three, nine, 40 yard dash comes in. I mean, we haven't really been able to see his open field speed too much this year, but you know, that's, that's why they like him, man. I think it's because he's getting better between the tackles, but he has that ability to, to pop one off and, and, and really get a, a good amount of yards out of one play. And they, and, you know, I think that's what they lack out of, uh, you know, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon's, um, you know, McKinnon can do it a little bit, but just doesn't have that same explosiveness in, in the open field vertically like Pacheco does. So, yeah, and I think again, you know, I know we're. I, I keep saying kind of it's a huge, you know, thing for the Bengals game, but it is. I mean, if the, if a run game can dominate the game, control that aspect of the game, it's really going to help. You know, a, a Chiefs team that you know it seems like the Bengals defense really gives their pass offense trouble. You know, uh, give them relief, give them help by having a really impactful run game this next week. On the defensive side of the football, maybe there's some some conversations to be had about the run defense. Um, the Jaguars also ran for 144 yards on a 7.6 average. Uh, there were some times where there were some really massive holes for Jaguars running backs. This seemed to be, it was a little concerning to me. It wasn't enough, I don't think, to turn the tide of the game, but but something to watch going forward if they're not able to to fit the run better than than what they did against Jacksonville. Uh, again, they could have some trouble against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I mean, you watched the Bengals game against the Bills. They were pounding the rock against against a Bills team that's supposed to be a solid, you know, really sound team. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's not the case anymore. I think we're starting to learn about the Bills' defense. I was kind of starting to feel like they were falling off a little bit even prior to that. And I know the Bengals' offense is just very good, but, uh, you know, the, the Bills' defense, you know, definitely has fallen off a little bit. But, you know, I, I do think you watch this Chiefs game against the Jaguars, and that was the main thing, right, Again, with the defense was Travis Etienne popping off a 15, 20-yarder every once in a while. Even Jamichael Hasty, their backup running back, got one on occasion. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it and, – and, you know, we'll talk about this position more later, but, you know, it, it seemed like a lot of times it was linebackers not getting off blocks, unfortunately. You know, you need to see Nick Bolton get off a block and, and kind of stop that run for five or six instead of letting him get to the third level. Um, you know, and that was even the case with, with Willie Gay. And, you know, in the first half, we saw Darius Harris playing it again, you know, dri- driving me nuts. Uh, he was in on the base packages instead of Willie Gay. Um, and he actually, I think you kind of saw that. I, I, I didn't watch the whole second half yet, but I think they went away from that completely in the second half. I, so I, maybe they realized finally that it's not a good idea to have Darius Harris in the game over one of your best playmaking players. Because um, I know Willie can be a little erratic, and maybe that's what they're trying to do there. Maybe they feel like, in base packages, Darius Harris is more of a sound, fundamental player, just going to do what he needs to do and not kind of go out of his way like Willie can at times. But that was really the, the main thing, right, was, was the run defense. And that's a problem. But we all know it's a passing league, and, and that's where, you know, it, 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 I think the Chiefs' game plan for, for heating up Lawrence, it did work for the most part. You know, they got the stops they needed to. They got sacks at times. 
you know, obviously it, you know, it can, it can look bad when it ends up with George Karloftis and coverage on Christian Kirk in the red zone, which, you know, that's just a great play by Doug Peterson, man. I, I, you know, he puts him at running back, you know, and, and, and Spags is blitzing. So he's, he's forcing a quick throw. You think about Karloftis on a running back still isn't, you know, an advantage matchup you want to have as a defense, but you know, it's, it's a quick throw. And, and as long as Karloftis can kind of, you know, get to the flat quickly and, and kind of take away that angle, you know, it, it, it's usually not going to go to him, right? It's going to go to someone else. But when it's a receiver as the running back, and it's probably a route that Lawrence is, you know, zoning in on right away, as soon as he sees Gay Blitz, he knows Kirk's going to have an angle to Carl Loftus to the corner of the end zone. So it's just a great play designed by Doug Peterson. You're going to live and die by the Blitz. But besides that, I think he, he mixed up his Blitzes a lot and, 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 and did enough. The opening drive was a good example of it, Blitzing. He, he did enough to get uh, timely stops in this game. So I think the defense deserves some credit for this game specifically. But we'll talk about some of the, the things that, you know, maybe wasn't perfect and why, you know, there's still skepticism about next week. Yeah, I do think when you look at the pass defense, uh, the thing that jumped out at me was Christian Kirk, who gave him the business last time around. Um, Christian Kirk had 14 targets, but only seven catches today or, or on Saturday. And so that was a – one of those things where you look and say they, they did some work against him uh, this time. They mixed up uh, in coverage a little bit. And you look at the stats for the two rookie corners, Trent McDuffie uh, was targeted three times, gave up two catches for 21 yards. Uh, Jalen Watson targeted four times, gave up two catches for 55 yards. And Watson had the, the highlight reel, you know, game, basically game ending one-handed interception. I think the play – of those guys, plus the safeties in this one, were pretty encouraging. So I think you've got to be to feel pretty decent about your secondary, at least, even if the linebackers uh, and Karloftis and Space are not uh, were not elite in coverage this week. Right, and you know, it's just you know, I do think I do think Spags kind of tested Lawrence a little more than he would for a Burrow. I think he, you know, it's a young quarterback. It's still his second. It's his first road playoff game. I do think there were some things that Spags kind of, you know, maybe it was a little risky, you know, kind of going high risk, high reward kind of thing, testing a second year quarterback again that he may not want to do with Burrow because I think Burrow has proven to him, especially I, I, I would think so after three matchups that, uh, that he is going to, you know, take advantage of the weak spots that a blitz, you know, brings. And he's going to take advantage of, you know, any sort of small windows and coverage. And so that's why you need to kind of maybe keep as many in coverage as possible for the most part and try to get pressure with four, with three at times or, you know, simulated pressures where you're dropping a guy, you know, dropping a defensive line and bringing a linebacker, you know, they did a really good job with that on one particular snap on third down um, against Jacksonville. So, yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the game plan was, was, is not going to be the same for Cincinnati. Uh, I think you're going to see maybe a little less chaos, a little more, you know, Hey, try to, you know, you're going to have to nickel and dime us down the field and, 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 you know, we'll hope we'll try to be, get one pass rush and maybe set you back one second or third down. You know, that, that's got to be the key here because, you know, if you if you get too chaotic with blitzing Burrow and, and giving him too many man-on-man situations with these receivers, man, it's it, you're going to pay. So um, I think he's learned that over the last three matchups. I do think the pass rush in some ways was a, a bright spot against the Jaguars. They hit the quarterback seven times. Um, you know, they had two only two sacks, one by Frank Clark and one by the other great pass rusher on this defensive line and Derek Nottie. Uh, it was a uh, – <laughs> But it was a game where Frank Clark looked great. He looked uh, uh, spry. Yes. He was jumping the snap count. He was he was flying around. Uh, not only did he have a sack, but he also had a really, really important uh, tackle for loss. Actually, had two tackles for loss in this game. Chris Jones is one that 
Still didn't record his first playoff sack. If you look at the box score, you'd say, man, he, he didn't do a thing. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out he was still pretty impactful. He was he had some pressures. Uh, he was uh, he was disruptive, just still looking for that first uh, completed sack uh, of his playoff career. Yeah, you know, he helped other guys get sacks, uh, and he helped other guys get interceptions, actually. Um, you know, if you watch closely on that Jalen Watson interception in the fourth quarter, the, the right guard is so uh, so quick to help the center. I, guess, I think Jones was lined up at, over the center on that play. Uh, he was so quick to help the center that he didn't even think to even try to block the blitzing Justin Reed. And so Reed just gets a free run right in the face of Lawrence, and that's what forces Lawrence to kind of hurry and throw that up and, and obviously underthrow it a little bit to give Watson a chance. So, yeah, you know, Chris Jones, you know, obviously impacted this game very much. Uh, you know, he, he, he was the one kind of, you know, making the pocket always a little muddy and then, you know, allowing guys like Clark to kind of come out of nowhere and, and get a sack because Lawrence is kind of trying to move away from where the pressure is coming from. So, yeah, but I do want to shout out Clark, too. He had a three-play sequence in the second quarter. He got a big tackle on a screen, which, you know, if you watch, if he doesn't turn around quick enough and get there, it's a huge play. So he makes a great play there, forces a tripping penalty by the left tackle. Uh, you know, he bull rushes him so hard to the ground that Walker Little has to try to trip him to prevent him from getting over him. And then the sack that I just mentioned on to, to really push him back. And that actually forced a punt, even though Jacksonville was in Kansas City territory. So it's those huge kind of sequences that the defense needs. And Frank Clark obviously has that in him because that was a great three-play sequence. All three plays were huge, and, and it forced a punt. And they closed this one out with two turnovers, and, and that's something that you need this defense to do. You know, they, they have to make plays. They can't just be, you know, solid and, and uh, uh, bend and sometimes break. They, they really need to be the type of defense that is contributing positively with game-changing plays, and they did that this week. Uh, and it helped them close this thing out and, and not give Jacksonville a chance to come back like they did the previous week. Yeah, no, I, that's the thing. Jacksonville is a cardiac, you know, the cardiac Jags. And, you know, that they 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 made it interesting, man. That that weird fumble towards the goal line really saved the Chiefs from a from a much tighter game than, than it could have been. You know, uh, Jamal Agnew, I think, just kind of lost the ball about the five yard line. Bolton jumped on it. So it's well, it's a, we do have a couple questions about this game. Uh, and, and I think they're. Uh, interesting ones to talk about. So MVP, AT, MVPAT, uh, Jacksonville scoring drives came on the back of big kickoff returns. Why are we kicking the sky kick? Uh, why is Butker kicking out of the end zone every time? Seems like it seems strategic to me. Like Butker can and does kick it out of the end zone a lot. Uh, but there, there seems to be some times where, you know, they're purposefully doing this uh, uh, high end and shorter kick for, for coverage purposes. They had to know that Agnew was a threat. He, he burned him a couple times last game and, and was really well known for, you know, his, his return prowess. Uh, any, any reason you can think of logically why they'd want to kick the ball short uh, with a returner like that? No, I really don't have any. It's a great question because especially this team, they were one of the highest rated special teams unit in the entire NFL this season. It might have been number one DVOA-wise. And Jamal Agnew, like you just mentioned, I mean, he's a dynamic kick returner um, and, and a guy they use on offense because he's so good in the open field. So it is it is a little odd that that they kept doing that. Maybe it was the weather. I mean, maybe there was – you know, it wasn't really much wind to it, though. So it had to have been purposeful. And, 
yeah, I don't, I don't quite get that. That's all I really got to say because I, I really don't understand it. Yeah, if it was purposeful, it doesn't make any sense. If it was just he just short laid those, then you know wh- whatever. But right. uh, certainly something that uh, didn't make a lot of sense when you were watching the game. Uh, JC Cinematography at JK, JCar Cinema on Twitter. Is it time to consider a lifetime contract for Chad Henney? I love that we got to say anything is possible a bunch of times this week. Uh, when he comes in and orchestrates the franchise record longest drive in the postseason, 98 yards from his from the back of the from his, having his back to the end zone to calmly leading that drive. Uh, I think he was uh, three of five on that drive, so it wasn't a you know epic passing performance, but he did what needed to be done. Um, to to move the ball uh, through that touchdown pass to Kelsey, as mentioned before. Uh, it's really nice to have that backup quarterback that you can actually rely on. If that had been Shane Bouchel or, you know, uh, any other backup quarterback that they've had in recent years, I'm not sure that you feel as comfortable that that was going to happen as, as you did when he came in this game. Yeah, I mean, Chiefs have a rich history of backup quarterbacks really helping out, you know, these contending teams. You know, it goes all the way back to Mike Livingston filling in for Len Dawson, you know, in the Super Bowl year. And, uh, you know, I mean, even uh, you talk about, you know, it's not the same, but, you know, Rich Gannon and, and, you know, obviously the 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 love for him and him coming in and almost, you know, bringing him back in the playoff game and Damon Heward. You know, my guy, Damon Heward, that was like one of my first, you know, real memorable Chiefs seasons was that playoff run. Oh, six. And, and they put in Trent Green in, in the playoffs instead of Heward at the end. Not to uh, mention the all-time backup quarterback, Chase Daniel, uh, of, of Mizzou fame. So. Exactly. And and Chad Henney is the best of them all. He's the GOAT of, of Chiefs quarterback lore, I got to say by now, because he's won two playoff games. He didn't win this last one, I should say, but going 98 yards in a playoff game and in, 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 in a game that ends up being a seven-point game. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give him some credit on that one. I mean, he, he has basically helped win two playoff games, and that's more than any backup quarterback can really ever say, I mean, for the most part. Absolutely. It, it's perfect that it's the type of backup quarterback you can rely on, but not the type that would ever be a challenge to your starter, right? It's, it's not the type of backup quarterback that fans love because you're, you're hoping that your starter gets replaced. I'm, I'm happy the Chiefs are not in that situation. Right. Uh, there's no backup quarterback, obviously, that would do that with Mahomes in the picture, but uh, he's not the young and up-and-coming player that, that fans are, are wondering when he's going to get his shot. He's just a perfect role for him and a great fit uh, for this team, and you know, you're glad to have him uh, there and ready to go as needed. J.C. Proctor points out one of the things that I thought was a big story from this game and, and a potential problem uh, that could stop the Chiefs from going – as far as they would like to go this season, he asks, is the offensive line not physical enough in the middle to get those short yardage plays? There were two plays that I remember from this week that were really substantial third and one plays that they tried to run up the middle. Uh, You know, third and one, everybody believes you're going to run up the middle. So, you know, sometimes play calling to me is, Maybe I'm overthinking it here, but if everybody knows you're going to run up the middle, maybe you shouldn't run up the middle. But uh, the the Chiefs were 0 for 2 on those third and 1. They they really were crucial plays to extend drives and and put this game out of reach. But I don't think anybody can accuse the Chiefs' offensive line, or at least the middle of the offensive line, of not being physical enough, can they? 
I know it is weird, right? Because um, that's tr- it's true. We have probably the best three interior offensive line in terms of trio in the NFL. Um, you can absolutely argue that. You know, the Eagles may be up there, honestly, but um, that's the thing. Joe Tooney is kind of a finesse player. Um, he's definitely a better pass blocker. Definitely just kind of a better, you know, um, hands kind of in the in the phone booth, not allowing you to get past him. But he, you know, there's he, he's not the heaviest guard, right? You know, he, he probably isn't the hardest to kind of maybe get that initial. Um, jolt uh, maybe that you need as a defensive tackle to get, you know, in there. And, you know, Crude and Trey are still young players. I mean, you know, as as powerful and dominant as they seem to be at times, I mean, you know, maybe there is something to, you know, them really not having still that that beef, uh, enough of that beef, you know, from being in the NFL for a few years to to really, you know, just come off and, and move someone. It feels to say like... they don't have their old man strength yet. But... <laughs> maybe, right? I mean, maybe there is something to that because you're right. They're, they're great offensive linemen, but why can't because they are 31st in power success rate? I think we talked about it on the pod last week. I mean, they are one of the worst NFL teams in converting short yardage, and it's noticeable. It's the eye test says it too. So I hate to put it on the. I don't think you can put it at the feet of Creed and Trey though. There's there's nobody there's nobody more physical than those two. There's nobody that likes pancaking guys more than those. Yeah, two. once they get good leverage, you know. I mean, maybe there is yeah. something too right off the snap. You know, maybe there's something to that. There might be some inconsistency there, like the, those guys right. are. You know, Trey has certainly been known to be a little bit inconsistent. He's had some up, ups and downs in his career, uh, more ups than downs, obviously. But I, I don't know. I think I would just like to see them get back to being a little more creative uh, in the play calling on third and one, recognizing that it's just not their strength. If everybody knows they're going to run it up the middle, running it up the middle is probably not uh, the answer. If they're never going to do a quarterback sneak, uh, the tight end quarterback sneak, just like the fullback dive, appear to be dead. It just appears that teams see that coming a mile away uh, when they try it. So they, they've got to find a, a new solution. Uh, maybe they were almost there this week with the option play, uh, but uh, w- with a hobbled Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if you're going to see uh, as much of that either. So with that, it's just about time to get to the break and hear a word from our sponsors. But in the meantime, Ron, the would you rather of this week as much as you hate to look forward because this Bengals game, frankly, terrifies me as a chief chiefs fan. So talking about the Super Bowl matchup feels sacrilegious at this point, but uh, I'm going to make you do it anyway. Would you rather face the Eagles or the 49ers in the Super Bowl? Should the chiefs get there? We'll have Ron's answer to that question along with a bunch of more of your questions from Twitter. As we look forward to playing the Cincinnati Bengals after the break. So stay with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And we're back. Thanks for taking the time with us today on the Out of Structure podcast. We left before the break with the would you rather question for Ron. Would you rather face the Eagles or the 49ers in the Super Bowl should the Chiefs win this weekend? What do you think? You know, I, this question isn't, I hope no one takes this as, oh my gosh, already looking ahead, because it's not. And, and I think the reason this is an interesting question is, I think a lot of Chiefs fans, I feel like I can kind of feel this vibe in the in the AP group chat, uh, so you can disagree with me, but I think a lot of us are feeling like, if we get past the Bengals, we're definitely winning the Super Bowl. And I don't necessarily agree with that, man. Those are some really good teams in the NFC. And uh, to answer this question, I would rather see the 49ers because I think the Eagles are a terrible matchup for, for the Chiefs. I think what they do on offense, just, you know, it's going to be a long day, I think, for the Chiefs defense. You know, how they that, how the Eagles offense can attack. They have a running quarterback. They have a great offensive line. They have great wide receivers, outside wide receivers to deal with, you know, to mess with those rookie cornerbacks. And obviously they have a really good defense. So, you know, I, you know. If, and they just not gonna, ran for over 200 yards in the divisional round, so. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Their their run game is so multiple. They can be that power inside the tackle run game, or they can be that kind of finesse, you know, option run game with the quarterback as well. And even he can be in between the tackles as well. So, man, I, you know, I, I'll be, you know, I, I kind of want to see Chiefs Eagles just as a fan or just because, you know, we saw the 49ers and, you know, let's, let's get another Super Bowl matchup maybe. But at the same time, if, if you're looking from a Chiefs matchup perspective, you know, in the event that the Chiefs do take care of the Bengals, both those teams are going to be a very, very hard, hard matchup. But I'd, I'd take my chances with the non, you know, the non-runner at quarterback and and the guy who's a seventh-round pick, playing, you know, rookie playing. Um, but oh, he, no, he might no, not get no, out of the link. <laughs> no question there. The 49ers defense is be they're still really, really good. But uh, I think that matchup sooner or later the uh, you know Brock Purdy is going to turn into a pumpkin. It, it's he's not you know. He's not the second coming. He is still a seventh round rookie uh, playing in a very favorable situation. You know, that, that team is not unscary, but the 40, the Eagles just feel like a juggernaut and, and you just, you know, don't want to run into that buzzsaw. This just might be their year. It's been hard to even think about the NFC or, or about the Super Bowl. It's really, you know, the focus all season has been on getting through this right. AFC field. And this week, you know, there's, they're facing their old nemesis, the team that's beat them three times already in the last 12 months. And, and the fourth matchup, you know, is coming at a time where the Bengals are playing as well as any team in football. Uh, so let, let's get to that preview. Uh, what have you seen, you know, stat wise from the Bengals that, you know, either gives you hope or, or, or fear for this man? Yeah, one of the things I did this weekend was kind of look at some of the statistical trends from the Chiefs and Bengals matchups and kind of just some kind of some some notable highlight or notable stats that kind of tell you the story of what's happened in the in these games. And and the obvious one, Stags, is is Burrow's been sacked only twice over the last two matchups. And that includes 25 pressure dropbacks. So that means 23 times they're pressuring him. But not getting the not getting to him, obviously. And these are the last two times they played the Chiefs, right? Not just his last two games. Yes, the last two matchups between the Chiefs and the Bengals. This the, all these stats are about the Chiefs Bengals series matchup, and and it's noticeable. It's notable because in the first matchup, the Chiefs actually got four sacks on him. If if we remember, we the Chiefs were getting to Burrow 
in that first game in the regular season game last last year. And it just it, the thing there is just that Burrow has gotten so much better at not taking sacks. That was kind of one of his only flaws at the beginning of his career was he's willing to hold on to the ball if, if the, the play is not there. And he's willing to just kind of get tackled and, and not throw an interception, not, you know, not just live for another down. He kind of wants to see what he can do. He doesn't necessarily have the mobility um, to, to do that completely. Right. He has good mobility, but maybe not the mobility like a Mahomes to scramble out and, and make plays, you know, kind of out of structure like Mahomes does. But he's gotten so much better at just getting rid of the ball quick, um, you know, and, and obviously it's easy when your receivers are open pretty quickly. So he's gotten so much better at that over this last year or so. And it started in the AFC Championship, and it's, it, it was highlighted last game too. So, Stags, I'll let you kind of if, – if you have any takes on if the Chiefs – if you feel good about the Chiefs' pass rush maybe impacting him more this time, if it's more not you – know, maybe it's more on the defensive backfield like we've kind of talked about a little bit. What do you think about, you know, reversing this trend or is it something they're just going to have to live with and try to win despite not getting to Burrow much, many times? Yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs pass rush is much improved and you're seeing a full healthy complement. You see George Kalafas take a few steps forward. You see Frank Clark get back to being healthy. Chris Jones, obviously, uh, having the season of his career. Um, I think there's enough pieces there that are playing as well as you could possibly expect. And so I think they'll... They, they could have some more success, but you're right. Pass rushes get negated pretty quickly when you have somebody that throws the ball as fast uh, as, as Joe Burrow, as he gets the ball out of his hands. If he's not holding the football very long, there's there's no chance any pass rush is going to get home. And so it, it is that complementary football is that opportunity for your, is your secondary able to cover for long enough uh, to, to get the, the pass rush home. And so, with the exception of Chris Jones being able to just explode up the middle and, and, and disrupt, uh, they're going to need a little bit of time. They're going to need some, some kind of some level of coverage uh, on these wide receivers in order to slow things down a little bit. Uh, that's what scares me the most probably about this game just in general is Burroughs ability to get the ball out quick, whether the receivers covered or not, it, it doesn't seem to matter if there's a guy on chase or if there's a guy on Higgins, um, the ball placement has been so good. The timing has been so good between those, yeah. uh, those two players that he, if he can throw the ball that quick and the receiver doesn't even have to be that open, uh, it, it makes it pretty difficult for on your defense and on your pass rush to make any kind of an impact. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. So, Got some more stats here. Um, this one we've already kind of talked about, so we don't have to get too into it. The Chiefs running backs have rushed for over 100 yards and at least 5.3 yards per carry as well in each of the last three matchups. So you talk about losing three games and your run game is looking that good. You know, it's not a stat blown up by, okay, the Chiefs had a lead and so they were just running or whatever. You know, that's that's a stat, you know, showing us that the Chiefs have efficient run game against the Bengals defense. They, they get chunk runs on the ground. They just – this last game, you know, especially in the first two games, they didn't trust it enough, I don't think. And then especially this last game, or I shouldn't say especially this last game, because in this last game, they, they did seem to lean on the run game more, just still didn't go to it situationally enough, in my opinion. You know, the second and three, second and twos, third and twos. Sometimes you just got to – and I know we just talked about it, right, the short yardage, but sometimes it's their unwillingness to run on short yardage that, that kind of can screw them too. So especially against a team like this that are gonna that's going to be soft in coverage, drop back a lot of guys a lot of times in those situations. They need to pound the rock sometimes. So do you have anything to add to that on, on the Chiefs run game? Yeah, I mean, Leon Pacheco this week, I think he's uh, he's shown that ability to be your primary back. 
Um, I think the opportunity to, to hit some dump offs to McKinnon, but this Bengals team is pretty good in, in swarming and tackling uh, on short passes and dump offs. Uh, so the, the yardage after catch might not be there for McKinnon, but they can move the ball with those two running backs and in, you know, run running with Pacheco and using McKinnon as an extension of the run game with, with the short passing game, the screen game, it, it's, they got to stick with it. Uh, the Bengals will probably once again, dare them to run the football. Uh, and this week, especially with Mahomes, uh, you know, beaten up a little bit. I think you, you lean on that run game and uh, uh, you, you try to try to be consistent with it. Uh, and like you said, use it when it matters the most, but they still have to be creative with it. It can't literally just be, you know, line up and, and straight handoff. Yeah. So yeah, I think the run game is going to be important, and I feel pretty confident that the Chiefs can run the ball against this team. It's just a matter of the commitment to it. Okay, on the other side of the ball in the run game, uh, this was a trend from last time. 65 of Samaj Pirine's 106 rushing yards in Week 13 came after contact. So, so a lot of them um, is, is the, the way to break that down. Samaj Pirine had to be the starter last time. Joe Mixon did not play. And Joe Mixon you know, seems to be – you know, an even better tackle breaker, you know, more explosive player. But, you know, I, this is a rushing stat. Pirine was also breaking tons of tackles in the receiving game after the catch. This was a huge problem, I think, last game with the Chiefs defense was tackling. Just even if they were making tackles, just not solid ones, kind of letting them take them for another three, four yards, dragging them over the sticks at times, over the chains. That's going to be a key matchup here, I think, too, is just when when the ball's in front of you, when the, when the player's in front of you, the ball carrier's in front of you, you know, make the tackle going, you know, that way, not don't get dragged on for the ride stacks. I think that's a huge thing here. Yeah. Tackling is going to be huge. The Buffalo Bills struggled with this against the Bengals in this matchup. Sure. It was in the snow, but the Bengals consistently got extra yardage uh, against the bills this week. The bills would hit, you know, make the hit three yards before the the line to gain and the Bengals would find a way to, to, to keep moving forward. So the Chiefs have been a better, better tackling team of late, but that's going to be huge for this defense. I mean, they, really, you could honestly say if they tackle really well uh, as a defense, then there's a really good chance the Chiefs win this game. It, it is that important yeah. because you you just can't give up those extra yards. Uh, the, this defense can get off the field if they can tackle. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. That is a huge part of this, honestly, because, you know, they're, they're going to have to play softer coverages, not allow guys to get deep on them, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But that means rallying up forward to, to the, the passes that are underneath that Burrow's going to take, like we talked about. He's going to get the ball out of his hands quickly if that means checkdowns to running backs or tight ends. They got to fly to the ball. A couple more stats here for you before we get into the questions. Mahomes has completed 50% of his throws that travel 10 or more air yards over the three matchups. So, you know, 50% isn't like an egregious number for, you know, passes thrown that far downfield, 10 yards or further. But it does show you that, you know, the, the Bengals defense does do a good job closing down windows down the field. And, and Mahomes has struggled to, to, you know, really to get big plays through the air against them. He's tried. He tries. He, he really you watch that last matchup. There's a lot of times he's forcing play, throws downfield that probably he, he even shouldn't. But it's because the Bengals are very good at, at tightening windows. They're they're all over the place. They really fly around in the back end. Their safeties are really good at doing that. And so that's it's just a to me it's a highlight here to say 
all right, it, you know, play within the offense, you know, check down if you need to, kind of like we were just talking about with Burrow, force the Bengals to tackle. Yeah, I know they're a good tackling team, but, you know, force them to make those tackles, you know, give it to a guy like Tony and force them to tackle him, right? You know, but, uh, you know, beneath, you know, and let's not, let's not try to force things down the field when they're not, you know, truly there because the, that's what the Bengals want you to do is throw downfield and, and give them opportunities for turnovers. So what do you think about that? Yeah, this is tough for me because the most frustrating thing that I see the Chiefs do every single week, it happened this week. I almost had to notate it again in the winner's losers piece, but the whole reason MVS is here, the whole reason they have Marquez Valdez Scanling is is to keep teams honest deep down the field and to clear out for the underneath stuff for Kelsey, right? Mm-hmm. MVS has done a fine job of that for the most part, but they tend to like to throw to him on third down in high leverage situations deep down the field uh, and the percentage completion rate uh, on those types of throws is not very good. It's not an efficient, uh, he's not an efficient receiver. You know, when you see them target uh, MVS down the field, you're holding your breath because there's a pretty good chance it's not going to be completed. Uh, He had a good touchdown this last week. Uh, He did some work, you know, in in that, that ability to clear out, I think on one of Kelsey's touchdowns, it was MVS clearing out that made it available for Kelsey uh, and then vice versa. Kelsey made that, that play work for him. So they play off of each other, but when they go downfield to MVS, it's not a high percentage play unless they get him wide open. I, I don't want to see him force it his way, but I do think Kadarius Tony might be part of the answer here because as fun as he is on the short yardage stuff, on the, the trick plays, on the end of rounds, on the screens, on all of that stuff, Tony can also get downfield and go up and get it. I think from the first one of his first catches with the Chiefs was a sideline catch. Uh, I think it was against Jacksonville the first time around, mm-hmm. uh, where he went up and brought one down. He he showed the ability to 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 complete a jump ball, but also like a back shoulder type throw uh, as well. So I think the back shoulder throws to Tony, uh, also to Juju uh, Smith Schuster. I think if they can work the sidelines in the back shoulder, which is pretty hard to defend, and it's something that Mahomes can still throw, uh, you know, in, in his current state, I think uh, that might be something to watch. Can they get it downfield to Juju and to Tony uh, in situations where uh, others aren't getting open? I, I think they they've got to they've got to mix it up. It can't they can't be predictable against this defense, and you can't go all short stuff because they're they're gonna. They're going to be sitting on that. So uh, cool. you got to keep them honest. And I just don't know if MBS is the guy to do it this week. Yeah. You know, and you watch that first Bengals game, they did get a few deep shots to, to MBS, you know, at important times in that game. So, yeah, I mean, the, but that's the thing. The Bengals blitzed at the, on those opportunities. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we'll be, I'll be interested. That's the good thing about their defense, Louis Narumo, man. He is very um, unpredictable. He's kind of like Spags in that way. Um, but he's even more variable in his coverage stuff. I don't think Spags gets as wacky with with some of the stuff he does in coverage, but he'll throw you know a different coverage on you each third down. You know you'll never see the same third down look twice, and so they'll just have to take them when they're there, but just not force them, right? So that's the key there. But on the other side, this is the last stat I have, but this is pretty telling too. Stags Joe Burrow in the last matchup completed 13 of the 14 pass attempts he had between the numbers. So just in the middle of the field, whether it was deep, short, all that, that just kind of tells you that, you know, the, and, and you could see the eye test, right? The, the Chiefs were, or the Bengals were attacking the Chiefs, middle of the field defense, their coverage. That's the linebackers. That's the safeties. 
I think we've kind of said and, and can see that they've maybe improved since then, especially the safety position, I would say, um, has really started to, you know, fly on the field a little more and just kind of close out stuff more, you know, close off windows. But I don't know, Stags, are you, are you concerned it's going to be another key to this game here is, is the middle of the field pass coverage? Yeah, I do think they've made some changes there. And, and we're not even sure who's going to line up at that slot receiver, uh, the slot you know, defensive back position yeah. this week. You know, you, that was Sneed's job in the past. Uh, the last few weeks, they, they shifted that uh, responsibility a little bit to McDuffie and let Sneed carry, you know, a, a number one receiver on the outside. This last week, even though it was a terrible matchup for him the first time around, they still put Sneed back in the slot uh, again, and, and it worked out okay. So be curious to see how they approach the defensive back alignment. I do agree, though. I think the safeties are playing a lot better than they were last time around. Uh, it's really do do we get a playmaker type game out of Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. Uh, or you know are they going to get exploited a, a little bit in the middle of the field? That that is another you know just massive uh, a variable uh, for the defense this week. Yeah, absolutely. No, it it really is, and and the defense is has such a key point in this game because of some of the stuff we got to talk about now with our questions for the AFC Championship. Like Chiefs Chick Texas at Chiefs Chick Texas asked us, how concerned are you about Mahomes' injury for the Bengals game? And I think the question, the reason I tie it to the defense is, you know, going into the game, you know, going into a matchup, you know, theoretically without an injury, you know, my thoughts are, hey, this this offense really just has to put the team on their shoulders, the Chiefs offense, and really just score a lot of points, you know, take, you know, if they got to run the ball, take time of possession, that kind of thing. Because, I, you know, the Bengals offense, you know, really can can do what they need to do. But now that you know Mahomes' injury, I, you know I, you know I can't be as confident in the offense, right? I mean, maybe we can be, but I, you know, you got to lose some level of confidence. It just puts more pressure on the defense to to step up. So let me, ask, I'll just ask you straight up: How concerned are you about Mahomes' injury impacting the result of the Bengals game? Yeah, big time. I mean, I think Mahomes is perfectly healthy. The Chiefs are favored in this game. I just saw right. uh, tweeted out from Pro Football Talk. The Bengals are now the favorites. Uh, this was a game, the line, the Vegas line started off uh, Chiefs minus three, if I remember correctly. It moved to yeah. almost immediately to one and a half, and now it's Bengals uh, uh, favored by one and a half. Uh, and that line will probably continue to move as all the hype around Joe Burrow starts to, to grow and all the concern about, about Patrick Mahomes' injury. This really went from, when Mahomes got hurt, it went from a, Really fun, dominating, you know, uh, cruise of a of a divisional round to oh no, what's going to happen? Even if they win that game, uh, mm-hmm. for me. and and so uh, I'm less excited about this game than I am afraid. Now, one thing, one thing that could, should give you a little bit of hope is Mahomes knows how to deal with a high injury sprain, a high ankle, yeah, high ankle sprain injury. The last time he missed time with a high ankle sprain in 2019, early in the season. Now, Mahomes and Andy Reid have already said that what he's dealing with now is not as bad as it was in 2019. In 2019, he came right back, went 30 for 44, 443 yards, and four touchdowns on a 10.1 yards per attempt uh, against the Raiders on that high ankle sprain. Uh, that was from Josh Chavis on Twitter pointing that out. So there's some precedent to say that Mahomes can get this job done 
you know, regardless of this injury. But it certainly makes me feel a lot more concerned about the Bengals and, you know, should they win this week about whoever they play in the Super Bowl. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and that's the thing, uh, you know, there is, there can be a flip side to this and Ruben M on Twitter kind of tries to see, let us see the flip side. Do you think there's a silver lining to the ankle injury? What I mean is this might just be the only thing that would, that would make Andy Reid run the ball more to protect Mahomes, Seeing as the Bengals dared Andy run the ball last year and he utterly failed. Maybe it's a good thing. So let me just start off by saying, you know, this, I actually said it to you in a group, in the group chat, like, you know, there is something to maybe this forcing the offense to kind of be more, you know, run heavy or just kind of, uh, you know, not go for these, not rely on Mahomes to make the big plays by himself, which again, the Bengals defense makes it really hard to make those big plays by yourself. Um, So maybe there is something to this. The only thing I'd say is, and we've talked about a little bit, but the run game, especially under center, you know, that ankle, I mean, it, it, it's going to impact it to an extent, man. So there's still something to that. It's still not going to just be as easy as saying, all right, just hand the ball off more because it still limits what you can do handing off wise from under center. Um, so I don't know, Stags, what do you, do you think there's a silver lining to this in- ankle injury at all? Or is this just crazy? No, I, I, I think it's bad. Um, but you're right. When he came back in after that injury, especially that first drive where he had no business being out there, the handoffs look more painful than his pass attempts. Yeah. Uh, and when he was doing those, uh, some of those, those sprint zone type plays where he's got to, he's got to move quick and, and, and on an angle to get that handoff there in time, that was extremely painful for him. Uh, he hopped to, to at least one of those. Uh, you can see that that was really, that was really tough for him. So they, they're going to have to throw some new wrinkles in there to make this, to make it work both in the run game and the passing game to Thomas Ramirez's question, do they speed up the offense to keep Mahomes clean? I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for some adjustments, both in the run and the pass more quick passes, more, you know, in the pocket type stuff. Uh, we talked about different formations that they can do for the run. Um, maybe they, maybe they do a pistol formation. Maybe yeah. they do some, some more shotgun runs, less under center. Um, it might be another RPO type type game where, we, you know, all season I've been hoping that they get away from RPOs more, but this might be the type of game where they're just, it's a quick handoff or it's a quick slant, you know, and, and you keep him out of trouble. Uh, Mahomes is incredible at avoiding sacks when he scrambles. Uh, I just saw on Next Gen Stats, he just set the NFL record, at least since they've been keeping this stat. 119 times he's scrambled and not been sacked uh, consecutively. That's the longest streak. And he also has the second longest streak, by the way, from 2019 and 2020 of 108 scrambles without a sack. When he's able to move around, he doesn't take very many sacks. But with him less having less ability to move around within the pocket and less ability to run, uh, I think you've got to figure out ways to, to alter the offense around him to make it work. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and, and maybe this makes this next question uh, an easy answer uh, with Thomas Ramirez asking uh, another question. Who needs to have a bigger game for the Chiefs to win, the offensive line or the defensive line? That's tough. That's tough because I really feel like if the defensive line comes out and has a big, impactful game, 
you know, that really is what the Chiefs offense will need with Mahomes' injury potentially limiting their scoring to, to any sort of extent. But at the same time, the offensive line's big game helps the Chiefs offense, obviously, and, and keeps them afloat. So I don't know. Where do you come out on this? I, I think I'm going to lean towards uh, – oh, man. I think I'm going to lean towards defensive line because I think the defense needs to have a huge game. Yeah, can we can we say both here? Because right. it's really going to be – it's an important game in the trenches on both sides. And I think you've got a Chiefs offensive line. We talked about already the interior has been dominant. The last time these two teams played each other, they were down one uh, of their of their best offensive linemen. And it showed up towards the end of that game when Orlando Brown Jr. got beat on the inside. Everybody has been beating him up all season for that – for that loss, for that Bengals matchup where uh, he gets beat uh, and it leads to a sack. But some of that, I think, was that Tooney wasn't the guy next to him. And they, they have a better rapport than he and Allegretti do in, in that situation. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs' offensive line responds, how these tackles prepare for this matchup. Henderson has been a tough matchup for Brown in the past. Um but they are more of a power rushing type team. They're not as bendy, you know, as, as others as speed rush, which has usually been the weakness. So I think the offensive line, you know, they showed after Mahomes got hurt, uh, they kept him pretty clean the rest of that game. He did a, they did a pretty nice job there uh, against the Jaguars who, who presented some interesting matchups as well. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think the defensive line, if the defensive line gets dominated by the Bengals' offensive line, then it's going to be a, just a massive shootout. And, and I'm not sure even if with, with good offensive line play that the Chiefs keep up. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, everything the Chiefs want to do is based around how well the line plays this week. I mean, if, they're, if the line plays well, they're able to run the ball, have a balanced offense, and have that quick passing game. Uh, working maybe they do win a shootout in that scenario so I don't know I I can't decide between the two at both are equally important I, I'm I'm taking the the chicken exit on this question there's there's really no good really no good answer here I know and it just tells you again you you said off the top how big of a game in the trenches this game really is with all the exciting players on the outside the quarterbacks it really will come down to which team owns the trenches more. And, and so that's, it, it's always fun when football comes down to that. As Mark uh, Stone points out, it, right. it's also going to come down to who owns the second half. Uh, he says if the chiefs want to win, they'll have to find a way to score more than three points in the second half. You know, there have been some epic collapses in this recent series. Uh, the chiefs have come out of the gate strong, uh, especially, you know, I can't get the memory of last year's AFC championship game out of my head where it looked like the chiefs were going to cruise. Uh, and then they absolutely fell apart in the second half, whether that is a credit to the Bengals adjustments uh, or some mental lapse of the chiefs that, that let their, their foot off the gas or let the guard down. I don't know, but yeah, they, they've got to come up big in the clutch. That's got to come from the pass rush. Uh, closing out games, you know, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, those guys getting home when it matters the most. Turnovers like they got against Jacksonville down the stretch uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but you got to see good Mahomes in the second half. You cannot have another game like the last AFC Championship game where the second half of the, the game, 
was one of the worst performances for Mahomes in his entire career. Uh, that's not going to fly. It's not. They're not going to win if that happens. They've got to finish strong. Even if they don't start strong, they have to finish strong. Hundred percent. No, it's it's been the theme of every Bengals matchup. Unfortunately, is is kind of some some you know. Kelsey's fumble in the second half, this last matchup in week 13. You know, the Chiefs probably win if he doesn't fumble that um, and they collapse in the second half. So, you know, we'll keep on this Bengals trend. Dylan at Bosnia, Bosnia K. Dylan, what's the weak spot in the Chiefs versus the Bengals side? What's that one, the true weakest link of the Chiefs, especially in this matchup? Have we talked about it yet? The weakest player, the the one that, that could be exploited the most. Uh, I mean, we're go back to our our favorite whipping boys uh it's it's Darius Harris uh if if he's in a linebacker in coverage especially um obviously if they're able to isolate George Karloftis in coverage like the uh, <laughs> like the Jaguars did uh, it's those you know those other coverage players it's not the secondary I don't think uh it's not really the pass rush I think it's the when they get these other guys big guys in coverage um to me that's the that's the biggest weak spot that I can think of off the top. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, I would just say overall the chiefs back end versus the bat, the Bengals kind of, you know, pass catching group. Um, I do think that's the biggest weak spot, weak link. And, and so that's why the defensive line needs to be so good so they can help them out in that, in that sense. But Guerrero, Alex, 2020 90 asks, is the run defense a concern? And we've kind of already touched on this a little bit, right? I mean, you know, a, it definitely needs to be better than than it wasn't against Jacksonville. Travis Etienne did have a few too many big big runs, but you know it, when you see Joe Mixon coming into town with this banged up offensive line, you know is, is that a big concern for you, or is is that something uh, you know uh, is that a big concern for you at all? You know it is a concern, and I think Joe Mixon is a better running back than than P Ryan. He's better running back than. Uh, you know, probably even at this point in his career, Travis Etienne. Uh, and so I think, and he does it in a little bit different ways. So I, I do think that the run defense in this matchup um, is a little bit of a concern. Uh, there was just some holes last week that was real, that were really, I think the run defense overall has not been an issue all season for the most part. I haven't had too many games where I've been like, you know, the, the Chiefs have just gotten run over. In fact, they had, a, a couple stretches this season where they were phenomenal. Uh, so I'm not super concerned about the run defense, but uh, you know, if they get Joe Mixon going, the, this offense is just that much more dangerous. So you'd like to see them make that a focus uh, this week to keep them, at least keep them one dimensional, uh, at least, you know, uh, at least shut down the run uh, so that it's not so easy you know, putting themselves in bad situations. You want them on third and long. You don't want them on third and ones. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, that, that is the truth. So, well, Stags, we talked through this whole game. We've talked about pretty much every aspect of this game, and we only have one thing left to do, and that's kind of preview the game itself and kind of just uh, see what we got for kind of our, our feelings on the game. I know it's a, it's a little sketchy. It's a little hard right now. We're on really on Tuesday morning. We have a long time until the game, a long time of week of injury reports to to look at and and fearful and be fearful of and all that so i don't know stags where do you come out on this game well i i think it's been clear through this entire podcast that i'm more concerned about this game than i have been really about any game so far this season uh for the chiefs i think there's 
There's just a lot of things about this matchup that have shown to be a problem for this Kansas City Chiefs team. And they're, this just really feels like this is their nemesis, right? Um, it's hard to beat a team twice in one season. Uh, they've already beaten this, this Chiefs team three times in the last 12 months, as I mentioned. This is – the Chiefs are due for a, a victory here, right? They're, they're due for um, – turning the tide and making this an actual rivalry and something that we can talk about. So I think for me, you know, we ju- we've really covered all the things about the Bengals that make it a tough matchup, right? We, we've talked about their receivers. We've talked about Joe Burrow and how his quick passing and, and his uh, accuracy, the way he navigates in the pocket, um, the way their defense hits and, and prevents extra yardage. My question, I'm just going to throw this back to you. My question is, What's different this time around that makes this the exception, that makes this the one time the Chiefs can win out of the last four games? Well, just to be fair, uh, you know, the, the, the foundation of this answer is that they've been pretty close to winning each game regardless. Um, so, you know, if, even if they had the same team, you know, you flip a coin, you know, it's, it's almost a coin flip of a kind of game. But you're right. They have lost three times and, and there's reasons down the stretch. It happens each time. And so the difference to me, I'm going to go one side. of the, I'm going to go a difference on each side of the ball. And, and on offense, I really think it's Kadarius, Tony, his impact, kind of having that second receiver outside of Kelsey that really feels like they can make a difference, um, you know, making plays after the catch. You know, I, you know, one thing we don't we don't haven't talked about a lot, but Juju Smith-Schuster really hasn't made much of an impact down the stretch of the season. And the Chiefs really haven't had a a true second pass catcher that's really been that guy um for a while now it's really been kelsey and then just a bunch of other guys i mean justin watson plays as much as any any of the other receivers and so i think tony's that main difference he didn't play in the last Bengals game he obviously wasn't on the team the first two matchups and so tony is that difference to me and on offense i think he can make enough of a difference to get them over the hump offensively and then defense i think the difference here is just your your defensive linemen your edge rushers are more experience or a little maybe kind of gaining momentum, you know, specifically Carl Loftus. Um, and, and, and they're going against lesser talented offensive linemen than they did the last game. Right. I mean, you're talking about their both their tackles are out They're One of their best interior offensive linemen is out. Um, yeah. I, I, I and, and I think another interior offensive line even got banged up. So I, I, I do think the chiefs defensive line is, is more well-equipped to take advantage this time around, especially because the Bengals offensive line is a little more banged up. So, those are the two differences to me, in, and if the Chiefs win this game, those might be the two th- reasons why, is because those two things made, the, made a bigger impact than they did, obviously, in previous games. I do think Kadarius Tony, yeah, he's going to be a big key here, and, they, and they're starting to really focus on him and give him a lot of targets. Uh, I do think Juju Smith-Schuster does need to have a bigger game because he has the, the size and the toughness to make plays over the middle. Uh, when, when things are vacated and things are tight, um, when the – you know, when the focus is on keeping this team from going deep, you know, there, there's going to be some spots in the middle that he can take advantage of. Um, so would like to see a big Juju game and a big Hardman or sorry, a big Tony game. I think if McCall Hardman's back, he can be a difference maker. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be, but if he is, uh, that's going to make a difference. Uh, Joe Tooney being back uh, is going to make a difference for the chiefs offensive line. I think they just play better, more cohesive as a unit with him. Um, the secondary, I think, is is another thing that I think is is better. The Chiefs' secondary, they're playing better overall. Uh, Thornhill, you know, was a key this last week, and I think he's going to be a, a massive 
difference maker this week. If Thornhill plays really well and is able to disrupt some of those downfield passes, uh, you cannot give them, you know, wide open deep passes or, or you can't leave Jamar Chase one-on-one with any of these guys uh, for any, any stretch. So the ability to have that second guy come in and, and disrupt some of those deeper passes is going to be monstrous. And, and it's going to be Ron Thornhill uh, for the most part. And so I, I think they're playing better. Uh, I think last time you saw a lot of Joshua Williams. This time you're going to see a lot more Jalen Watson, it appears. Um, for the most part, that's been a positive thing over the last few weeks. But I, I think you know, you're right. The, the pass rush is going to be key. And, and, and as we mentioned before, the way that pass rush and the secondary work together uh, is going to be really key. Obviously, with Mahomes' injury, uh, that's a difference in the wrong direction from last time they played. Uh, but if he comes out focused, uh, as sometimes an injury will, will, will make a player yeah. have a different level of focus, right? You, you have yeah. something to overcome, and, and you've, you've really got your eye on, uh, on doing what it takes, whatever it takes. This is his Michael Jordan flu game. You know, the, this may be uh, an epic Patrick Mahomes uh, performance. He's got a lot to prove against this team and against Joe Burrow. And, you know, even Mitchell Swartz on Twitter pointed out, uh, would anybody disagree at this point that Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the league? Uh, and then our guy Pete Schrager on NFL Network said, hey, if the Bengals win this game, it'd be pretty hard to argue that Mahomes is better than Joe Burrow if he's lost the last four times they've matched up, including two trips to the Super Bowl. Like that is, that's going to be a tough argument. Uh, it was the same way with Tom Brady until you beat the champ. You know, you're you're not the guy. And I, while Burrow hasn't won a title yet, and Mahomes has. Uh, when they go head to head like this, I think Mahomes is going to have a lot to prove. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly it. I mean, the Burrow thing is true. I mean, you can't deny it at this point, especially if it's. Both games, he's beaten you in the AFC Championship or in Arrowhead Stadium. And, I mean, we all saw it. I mean, that second half last year, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, Mahomes got, you know, uh, taken out by his defense or, you know, let down by his defense, I should say. Um, even though the defense did allow the Bengals back in the game, Mahomes on the offense had the chance to win it, and they didn't. And guess who did win? It was Burrow in, the, in, in their offense. And so I, it, it is – it is absolutely a legacy-defining game because, you know, you've already seen the Bills. We're, we're already kind of seeing them, you know, a team that had that Super Bowl talk, all of a sudden we're kind of questioning who they even are, if they're even a contender anymore, because um, they're going to have to lose a lot of a lot of uh, guys this offseason and everything. I mean, there's going to be talk about about the Chiefs and what they're at and how they stack up against the against the you know, you know the Bengals, who are obviously the kings of the AFC, if they do let them win this game. So, you know, it's not the same extent as the Bills because the Bills really built up for this year. The Chiefs are kind of in a rebuild year, but at the same time, there's no denying that the Bengals will be the king of the AFC. You know, the, even if they hadn't played a you know a home playoff game yet, I think they played you know they played a couple this year, but uh, or you know a couple over the last two years. But you know, even if they haven't done that yet, haven't gotten the one or two seed, they've won it in two years in a row. So they would absolutely be, and Burrow would absolutely be the best quarterback in the league. I mean, it's no it's a legacy that. defining game for Mahomes uh, and for the Chiefs. You know, we can start talking about dynasty again if they win this game and go on and win the Super Bowl. Uh, if they if they lose this game, then there's going to be a lot of questions about their ability to finish, about their uh, the, the makeup of this team, uh, and are they going to be the you know the 1990s Buffalo Bills as opposed to the 
uh, as opposed to the, the perennial champions that they could be. If they get past the Bengals, again, we're not looking too far ahead, but they, if they get past the Bengals, Ron, they just announced the Chiefs will actually have two <laughs> opponents uh, in yep. the Super Bowl. Uh, not only will they face the winner of the Eagles and the 49ers, but they'll also be facing Carl Sheffers and his crew, uh, <sighs> the the uh, the Batman villain uh, of the uh, of the referee world uh, for the Chiefs. I have no idea why uh, he's chosen uh, to be the the Super Bowl referee. I would think you would want to see the two teams be able to decide the game amongst themselves, but a lot to worry about next week's matchup. Uh, as you mentioned, though, uh, all the focus is on the Bengals. It has been all season. This has been getting through this AFC field, getting to the, to the AFC championship game, and having a chance to advance to the Super Bowl is what it's all about. Uh, we'll worry about the Super Bowl next week uh, when hopefully uh, the Chiefs are preparing for that week off in advance of the Super Bowl as opposed to preparing some of their guys to go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, this will be, uh, you know, it's going to be an epic game. I'm going to be a bundle of nerves, as I know you will be uh, yes. at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, along with the rest of Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, thank you for spending your time with us today on the Out of Structure Podcast and the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Make sure you like, rate, and review uh, our podcast and, and the rest of the network. Enjoy the content on ArrowheadPride.com this week. Uh, it's going to be epic. It's a monstrous game. Uh, I think we've with your questions this week have come up with a pretty good preview here, but there'll be a lot more to come uh, as the Chiefs prepare for their fifth straight uh, Arrowhead Bowl this weekend. So uh, looking forward to that matchup and look forward to this game this week. And look forward to talking to you all next week, hopefully with good news in hand. <laughs>